This is the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh right, Nelson. Well, hello, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's session of Agency Success, the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Uh, today, I'm super excited. We've got two hyper successful digital marketing agency owners, uh, Nate Haggerty and Troy Lakely from Tax Pro Marketer. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. I heard a chuckle. Did I, did I say the name wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, it's Lakey. And Haggerty. <laughs> I said Lakely after we did all of that. All right. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> Glad to have you. So I guess before we dive in, if you guys don't mind, just tell us a little bit high level about your agency, kind of number of clients, approximate revenue, the, the, fun, uh, the fun details. Yeah, so we've been in business since 2007, and uh, we've been serving the tax and accounting industry that entire time. Um, and we, uh, we do about a um, little over $100,000 per month in uh, recurring revenue. We built everything on a recurring revenue model. And uh, I know that a lot of agency folks don't, uh, don't have that model in place. And it's one of the great things that, Josh, you bring to the table, which... I'm, I'm grateful that we sort of stumbled into that model, not in a very, I think, intentional way. It's just that that's the model that I, I knew would set us up for the right margin and kind of lifestyle that we wanted from the very beginning. So uh, we have about 300 clients that we serve. Uh, over, over the course of 12 years, we've served, gosh, about 1,500 clients in, in the industry, uh, almost 2,000. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we provide, uh, you know, basic digital marketing services, social media, completely handled, uh, email marketing. Uh, that's been sort of our sweet spot. We can talk about that at some point. Um, you know, custom-built websites and uh, SEO services built in. Um, and then uh, we just recently started doing pay-per-click. We, we have been almost exclusively an inbound agency for... Uh, 11 years, and we finally um, found a great partner that could uh, execute on some of the pay-per-click things. And we were doing some of that in-house to test it a, a year ago, and we decided to just shift it to uh, to uh, an expert. And uh, we're we're bundling all of what we do together now um, in some basic service packages, and shifting a lot of our model. Honestly, uh, thanks to you, Josh, and. We, we've heard you speak uh, a couple times. We've known you for a few years in Digital Marketer War Room and other contexts. Um, but honestly, I, I, I didn't realize how amazing you were until I listened to your talk on uh, at Traffic and Conversion. And w Troy and I both had multiple head-slapping moments. Yes. Like, what the fat? Why were we not Actually, doing physical this? Head -slapping, yeah. Physical head-slaps. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we were kind of sitting a few rows apart and we were like, why are um, doing this? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, just your resources and, and your ongoing assistance. We've, we've shifted our model a little bit, which I'm glad to talk about at some point, um, away from kind of like uh, enroll now online with these various services to more of a consultative sales process. Mm -hmm. And that's been really fruitful. So Fantastic. anyway. So you're yeah. serving, so you guys are serving the, the tax and accounting market. You've got 300 plus clients, over $100,000 a month in recurring revenue. Yeah. Um, the first question everybody wants to know probably is, how did you wind up in the, in the accounting space? And that's a niche that people probably think, well, that's, 
you know, they don't spend money. They don't have a propensity to advertise. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. So I have never prepared a tax return in my life. And um, I worked for a guy 15 odd years ago, gosh, longer, 16 years ago. And I was coming out of youth ministry. I worked for Young Life and uh, they were going to transfer me to some other area. My wife and I felt rooted in the community where we were. And so I just got a job. And it was a guy who was an info marketer and I had no idea. He, uh, his name is Chauncey Hunter Jr. Amazing dude. When he hired me, he told me, look, I don't want you working for me three or four years from now. And I was like, bro, I just want a job. Uh, and uh, I, I took the job and I kind of dove, dove into the marketing. I became kind of his marketing assistant. He had two businesses, his tax business and the coaching business, both of which were seven figure businesses. Mm. Um, and the, I, so he threw me into the water, took me at all the marketing conferences and I got hooked. I, I fell in love with marketing, with um, kind of the, the environment of the info business sort of model. And, um, and true to his word, f three or four years in, I, you know, I did some coaching, consulting. He, start, he threw me onto the platform to start speaking at his events. Because um, I, I, I put my hands to I was managing a, a marketing budget of 400000 plus mm. uh, every year for his tax business. And I was bringing a lot of that to the stage, doing consulting. And one of the big issues for his coaching clients was implementation. And so he... Uh, we, I started the business kind of with his blessing and we've done joint ventures throughout the years um, for that. So in a sense, I, I have a different story than a lot of agency owners who kind of learn marketing on their own, pick a niche and go after it. I sort of stumbled into the niche, stumbled into marketing and here I am. Um, entrepreneurship. Yeah, and entrepreneurship. And so Troy is now my business partner. He started out as my first key employee and mm, okay. um, that that was probably the smartest decision I ever made hiring him. But I, I had a choice when I hired him between kind of a clone of me who was really good at sales, really good at um, kind of like just some of the upfront type things. Um, and a guy who um, was a little bit more complimentary and gifting. Troy is one of the best communicators I've ever seen, but he is extremely thoughtful and detail oriented, which I needed. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was the smartest decision I made. Um, and That's so awesome. and I think a lot of people miss that, that, you know, especially when you're looking for a partner or when you're looking for an operations director, you think you want that person that matches your personality and matches your style. Really probably what you want is something, the polar opposite of you. That way they can pick up where you're weak and you can be strong in the areas you're strong at. That sounds like that's what you guys have experienced. Yeah. And so Troy dove in right away. I mean, I threw him into the water a little bit more than I probably should have in the beginning, but um, yeah. And he, uh, he, he on his own kind of became a nerd uh, on all <laughs> kinds of platforms. And our tech stack is, uh, I, it, it's the best that I've ever seen. I mean, we, we continue to innovate and that's a big, that's a big testament to him. There's 12 employees now in the company and um, we are uh, we're rocking and rolling. So that's amazing. So, yeah. so good partnership in place. It sounds like you started back in 2000. So this is your, this is your year 12. Year? Okay. Phenomenal. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. So, so you, you kind of stumbled into this niche. You were working for somebody that was in the space. You kind of got put on a platform. Probably a question that, that I have is how did you make that transition from working there to being on your own? 
Was it something that you know, he, he kind of gave you the blessing, but did you already have some base clients before you left your steady income? Or can you talk about that just for a quick sec? Yeah. So I think the best skill that I ever learned for what I do now and what I would advise any, any person who wants to lead an agency oriented business within a niche uh, is speaking and selling from the stage. And um, my mentor Chauncey put me onto the stage before I was ready. I mean, I, my very first talk, I, I will distinctly remember this. We were using overhead projectors with transparencies. Do you remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-PowerPoint, okay? Um, PowerPoint might've existed, but Chauncey was old school. But anyway, uh, I was using transparencies and I had so many ums and ahs. I remember uh, getting a, a note from somebody in the audience who I think apparently was a Toastmaster or something like it. And he said, nice talk, but you really need to get rid of all the ums and ahs. And it was the very first time I'd ever spoken from the stage. But, I, but in that very first time, Chauncey gave me something to sell. And I actually sold like $30,000 worth of services on that very bad, very poorly executed talk. Nice. And um, he just kept putting me in front of buying audiences. And because of that, when I started the business in 2007, I had a lot of experience under my belt in teaching and speaking from the stage just from working with him. And so the very first time it was a room of like 200 people, there were probably 150 buying units and I enrolled 50 clients before having not ever created the service that we were, that I was selling. I, I literally, it, it was conceptual. And mm. so I started off with, um, you know, 50 deposits of either 500, 1000 or $1,500 for all of our, um, for the work that we were going to do for the folks. And we just started from there and I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of capital or, or like, even a lot of great strategy for it, but I knew that I could do certain things and we executed on it. Um, so that's kind of how we started. And it was, it was the first, it, it continues to be the, the, the most important skill is uh, selling from the platform, many to one selling. It's something you're really good at and you teach people how to do. Um, and I, I continue figuring out new ways to, to, to do that. So Powerful. So for you, it was, it was just leveraging your speaking talent, leveraging your, your confidence, because not everybody has the confidence to go on stage and do that. Um, but that's been a big proponent of your early success and continued well, success. And also, I do, I do want to highlight the importance of partnerships. I mean, I, we Jamie, found multiple partner. other partners, you know, over the years that have been even more lucrative than Chauncey. Uh, that's been a, a massive lever of our success is... Uh, finding and building good relationships with influencers in our in our industry, um, whether they're software companies or other coaches who who aren't doing implementation but who want a, a partner who can execute, building those strong relationships with those folks and being invited to speak on a regular basis, having the skill to be able to do a revenue split, a generous revenue split, with the people who who bring you in to speak to their crowd, um, those have been massive drivers of our growth. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I can't remember if it was Dan Kennedy or somebody else says you're, you're just one joint venture away from a million dollar business. It's really true. And We've so, built this business through joint ventures. And in the, you know, in, it's, when it comes to JVs, most people are like, okay, is it a reciprocal JV or a rev share JV? And it sounds like you've gotten really good at, at developing the win-win from a rev share perspective. Look, you introduce me, you get a piece of the action. I get the client base. And of course I keep my piece 
Um, is that most of the times the, the, the situation that you've worked in these JVs? Yeah, they've been mostly rev share. Um, okay. People who want to just monetize further their, their, uh, their herd. Um, but also they know that we do a good job. We've been doing this long enough now. We have a reputation in the industry that serves us well. I mean, we've, we've, we've not left any burning bridges behind us. Um, nice. Yeah. Smart. And he just shared one of the biggest shortcuts, you know, the agencies that can find those JVs and kind of work with the relationship with someone that's already the expert or already has relationship with those clients that you want. You can really shortcut your sales process. Doesn't sound like you guys had to do a lot of cold outreach, cold emails, or any of that stuff. Never done any of that. Which yeah. We're excited to to do more of. Yeah. We're like chomping at the bit, but our lead flow is is kind of like almost overwhelming as it is. We're looking at scaling our sales team now, just because we're making that transition away from people just enrolling like on the website and self-selecting their service level and self-selecting what they need, realizing it doesn't serve our clients very well to have them make the choice. Uh, without the consultation and obviously when that would happen we would always give people a call and figure out if there's a better solution for what they were wanting to do um, after the fact but we found that the consultative sales process uh, serves everybody far far better so no doubt no doubt well, well kudos and congratulations on growing this to the, to the level that it's at now so i wanted to add something there oh though. absolutely i'm sorry listen go ahead Add the, I mean, in the early days, we did do some cold, some cold stuff. We just had so much more success with partnerships that we really yeah. focused our energies more there. Now, yeah. I think we've hit enough critical mass where it makes sense to dive back into that. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I'd say the three drivers for, for us now um, and even over the last five years, as we versioned, you know, come into the seven figure level a couple of years ago, um, have been industry association trade shows. Um, Facebook advertising with kind of a, a lead magnet approach and a tripwire original purchase approach um, and speaking from the stage slash webinars. Um, so those those take either um, the form of the, jo the classic joint venture or the one that I almost prefer now is the CPE uh, webinar. Talk to me. Talk to us about what the CPE webinar is. So there's in our in our industry there because we deal with certified professionals. There they are looking to meet a particular hourly requirement every year, whether it's CPAs or EAs, um, the, the various certifications within our industry. And there's multiple companies in the industry that, um, and we'll I'll, I'll address your question in a little bit. Um, there's multiple CPA. There's multiple companies in the industry that do free CPE for their participants and they charge the speaker a per per attendee fee, flat fee. Um, and so uh, they don't dis they don't disallow you from pitching your services at the end of it, as long as you do a good job teaching. And like that's been our greatest methodology for, for selling from the stage in general has been teach, 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 Oh, by the way, you don't want to do all that hard work that I've told you that you need to do that works really well if you actually do it. You know, hi, we're here. Um, that's been like the the breakthrough for us. Um, so the CPE webinar is awesome because you just pay that one-time fee and then you know you're uh, you're rolling. Because with our with our joint venture folks, we do pay a recurring uh, you know 
kind of rev share with them simply because I want to cover their palms with gold. Like I, I th those folks are so valuable. I, I want to treat them really, really well. So we do. And, and because we do that, you know, a lot of those same partners will invite us back year after year to their events and, and to, to do webinars with them, you know, maybe multiple times per year because, because we treat them well. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a win-win. They're actually getting great content for their member base, which is valuable. And they're also creating a new stream of income and revenue to cover the event and to pay for all the coaching and stuff that they do. So, yeah, as long as it's not just problem agitate solve, like it's not just this classic sales pitch formula that can get so repetitive and, and we're all a little bit tired of uh, where it's just agitate, 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 and then solve with, you know, use us. Like you've got to actually do real teaching. And when you do that, it, it, it sets you up as the expert, of course, but you, um, but it also like starts the relationship with value, which is so important. No doubt. Power, powerful insights. Will, Will Hanks asking, um, what tripwire do you guys offer since you're doing some safe Facebook ads and you come from the digital marketer certified partner world? Sure. What we did is we started out with a $200 kind of info kit mm -hmm. um, that, uh, was probably more expensive than it should have been um, from a tripwire standpoint. Um, and then it would lead people into various upsells into implementation. And it was all just information oriented. Um, we've since reduced the price on that and I've kind of moved away from that a, a little bit, like from pushing it too much. We use it as sort of a downsell when, when we're dealing with prospects that maybe aren't quite ready because our lead flow has, has accelerated. And because again, we've shifted to this model where we want to get people onto the phone rather than just have them like do a one-click upsell into enrolling in our $97 a month program or $200 a month program. We would do a one-click upsell into a $500 a month program and get like 30% take rate on that. Um, mm. Unfortunately, it wouldn't always stick as well as we would have liked. Because they didn't know what they bought, right? They just started yeah. hitting card and... And we would do everything to call them and make, you know, explain everything and take them through the process, but they were never as good of a client as the ones that um, came through, you know, having a conversation with people. I think so. that works well for one-time purchase e-commerce stuff, but it's a little different for an agency recurring it, model. Look, it can work. Um, in, and, and, I, and I don't discourage people from trying it. Um, but the, the other shift we've made is away from like just service-based, like almost SaaS style, um, packages that are like, have your social media done for you, have your email done for you. Uh, we we're a part of Perry Marshall's roundtable, nice. And one of the big ahas that we got from him just even in this last year has been you're, you're selling drills when your clients just want holes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we like, again, another head smacker. We, we've been enrolling people into these services because they know they need their social media covered. They know they need good email marketing. They need, know they need a good website, but really they just want clients. They really, they just want leads that they can close and we can do that, but we've just not been positioning it in that way. So mm -hmm. shifting that positioning has helped a ton. So it sounds like there was a long time where you did like the e-commerce pipe sale and you've moved to this like phone-based sale. And the whole, like the big thing for like improvement aspect of it wasn't necessarily a higher close rate, but it's really a better stick rate and a better retention rate because the people understand what they're buying, why they're buying it. 
and so they're in for the long term. Is that right? That's right. And um, it also allows us to bundle in higher level services and basically raise our prices. Yeah. yeah. Got it. It's hard to move someone that bought a one click upsell for 500 bucks to several thousand dollars a month. Where now we have, we didn't have the capacity until six months ago to have a, a 3,000 a month client or a 6,000 a month client. We have both of those now um, because of this, this process, thanks to you, Josh, um, uh, in, in great measure. I mean, the, the, the lead flow acceleration session model that mm-hmm. you helped us implement, um, that's been a, a huge breakthrough for us. The pre-qualification process that you know that I, I pestered you about when we were building it some months ago, um, that's been awesome. Fantastic. Well, that, that, that's great. So going back to these three key, three key pillars, we've got trade associations, Facebook ads, uh, speaking from the stage, all in conjunction with, with JVs. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say trade associations, do you actually get a booth at all? Or are you more just, okay, good. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that, how you structure that, how you get people to come by and monetize it? We're, again, we're shifting things again, we, but we've done this very successfully for seven years, six years. Mm-hmm seven years. Um, and uh, we start with a lead magnet. And for us, the, the best lead magnet we found is a book um, that is demonstrating our expertise. And it costs us $1.50 a book to print. And, um, you know, it's like 100, 120 pages. Um, and I basically took a lot of the content that I've done over years and like shoehorned it into a book and had to do some editing, but it took me about a week to put it together because of the content we'd already had. Um, and it's not a glorified sales letter. It really is real content. And um, there's plenty of like, like testimonials and what, whatnot, but, but more than anything else, it's something that stands you apart in the crowd at the trade show because there's, you know, 150, 200 booths there. They're all giving away tchotchke and candy and, and they're all like, you know, just, Exactly. One of these, one of these guys, right? Just something to say, Hey, look, we're the authors of this book. There's some great insights here. So we give it away uh, for free uh, in return for a scan basically. And then we moved people towards a deeper conversation once. So it's a conversation starter is what it is. And, and the, the, the reality is the vast majority of people don't read it. Um, They, they get it. They're like, yay, nice. I got a book. Yeehaw. They see it as valuable. They, they see it as valuable, though, and they will start the conversation. And that's the name of the game on Trade Show. Um, and so, those who do read it are, are people that typically come back to the booth and want to sign up and are great. They're ready to rock, right? They come to you super, super hot okay. and ready. Yeah, So ready. Like, just sign me up right now kind of thing. Um, well, how, many, how many of these types of events do you guys attend on a typical year? Five to seven. Okay. Yeah. And it's within, are these national groups or more like state, state, regional type groups? National. We try to only go national um, just because of the, the, the quantity of people there. We, we really try to keep it a thousand participants or more um, is sort of our threshold. Yeah. Yeah. We're fortunate because uh, in the tax and accounting industry, there's the IRS actually puts on shows for tax professionals. So they get together all the time for continuing education and all the things that changed. And it gives you an opportunity to get them in a room where you've got their undivided attention. Yeah. They're, they're killer um, because they're cheap because it's a government thing. They're not, I mean, I don't, uh, whatever, but um, 
There's a couple thousand people at each event. Uh, there's a lot of bad prospects there, but there's a lot of really good prospects there. Mm. And we'll, we'll walk away with, you know, well, with, we're doing a different model now where we're actually trying to like have like many sessions at the booth. Breakout, uh, like we'll do a breakout at three o'clock or whatever, yeah. come by the booth and we'll teach yeah. you. But in the past, we've sold trials to our services. Okay. Um, uh, like a $7 trial. And we'd walk away with 40, 50 clients um, who enrolled at the trial and we'd keep half of them. Um, for our, our, like our, for our lowest level service. Lowest level service. Yeah. And right. there would be a few diamonds in, the, in that rough that would turn into higher level clients. Um, nice. I remember Perry, Perry Belcher talking a lot about that, selling the some type of really low entry level thing at the, at the trade show and getting them to buy something while they're there. Right. Uh, Will asked how many books that we typically give away mm -hmm. uh, at the trade show. It's about, anywhere from 150 to 300. It's about, typically about 10% of the attendees. Yeah. So like there's like 3,000 attendees. We usually give out three or 400. Books. Yeah. That's fantastic. We've yeah. lowered that a little bit because we are looking more for, we're, we're looking for a little more quality now. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and historically that's been the case. Yeah. So I want to pause. I'd love to hear from you guys in comments. Those of you watching on Facebook and, and here on live on Zoom. What's what insights have you taken from this that, you know, you can implement in your business or aha moments that you've had so far? Um, I want to hear from you guys in comments. What I'll say is, you know, dealing with so many agencies at this point, everybody wants to take the shortcut. They want to do the cold outreach only. They want to sit behind their desk and just kind of be anonymous where the agencies that are making good money, that are growing, that are like having the kind of success that these guys are are out in, in real world, right? They're speaking in front of groups. They're at these events. And then their follow-up really is what drives their lead flow from, from that type of activity. I think for, for me, that's a salient point. And the JVs being the ultimate shortcut that all of you should be thinking about. You're, you just need a handful of quality people that can introduce you to their client base and it can have a huge ramification on your, on your growth in your agency. Yeah, and about that, a lot of people don't have those relationships. Maybe they've just chosen their niche. They're really they're a really good technician um, from a marketing standpoint, but don't have like an a affinity in a particular niche. If you exhibit at a trade show and do it right, and you and you like make a nice booth, um, don't look cheesy, but look pro, and and you come with a book, especially if you have those two things, you look pro and you have a book, you will find relationships with other vendors. Yeah. That's the ancillary reason to do these shows is I've got relationships within the industry now. Shoot, the IRS itself was talking about bringing me in to speak on email marketing to the IRS staff. That's because the cool. relationship that I, that I formed uh, with the IRS digital services booth, which happened to be next to ours um, <laughs> at one of the events. Um, now that petered out for because the person kind of moved to a different role. But like we were in travel conversations, um, th but that's obviously that who cares about that? Um, it would have been cool from like, hey, I trained the IRS, but um, from an yeah, authority so standpoint. Like CPE webinars, some of those have come through that. And, yep. Yeah. Software companies. There's tons of great. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say, yeah. I mean, what, what you said there is a really salient point, right? Sometimes you, you look at the expense and in your niche, it may be less, but like in, in our space, it's, 2,500 to five grand to get the boot, like to get the, the sponsors. Yeah, the space. And then you gotta, you gotta fly out there. You gotta get a hotel and like, man, I'm dropping like five to 10 grand on this thing. You mm -hmm. know, am I going to get enough clients to cover it? And maybe the first bat you don't, 
but you plant yourself as an expert. You start to develop relationships. Usually, I mean, usually what we found is we get at least enough clients to more than pay for the expense out of the gates, but it's the relationships, like you said, with the other people, right? You don't, don't ignore the other people exhibiting there because mm-hmm. those are the ones that are your potential JV partners, mm-hmm. the people that are running the, the trade show. You know, when they see you there and you look professional, like they said, then the next time they're thinking, oh, maybe these guys can come back and do a presentation on this topic. So uh, I'm really glad you made that that point. I think that was really, really powerful insight. And we've, we've been to shows that were busts. And so it's kind of nice, too, with the relationships you make at some of these shows. You can kind of ask some of those guys, like, hey, have you ever been to this other show? What was your experience there? So we don't go to some show that's not going to do well for us. And it also pushes us, the high expense pushes us when we get there to not only save on costs where we can, you know, because some, some of the, the things that they charge for some things are just outrageous. So stupid. We kind of go in and guerrilla style and we hustle the whole time. I mean, we yeah. like the other booths, a lot of times they're sitting around, they're, they're just abandoning their booth. You know, they've got stuff out and they just walk away. We're working hard the whole time. If the attendees are in the expo hall, we're, all of us are working hard. Yeah, we're sl- yeah. We, don't, we don't sit back and hope somebody will come by. Yeah. And that's a big key. For that's us. a big key. It's not just sitting behind your booth like, hi, world. Yeah, but come like, talk to us. Hopefully you'll come ask me for a book, right? Right. But we, we move the table not between us. And we move it to the side. We're out handing out books. Um, now, for me as a business owner, I mean, it's a whole nother topic in terms of positioning. I, I'm the author of the book. I'm the face of the business, even though like Troy contributes just as much, um, if not more, into like the daily Um but I'm the face. And so, and I don't actually talk to clients. That was a decision that I made kind of early on in the, in the business that I wasn't going to really dive in. I, like when I hired an assistant and when I hired Troy, I like pulled myself away from like talking to a lot of clients as early as possible, even before it might've been justified just from a positioning standpoint and from a like mental clarity standpoint. And so at the shows, I will hang back a little bit um, just cause I'm like the guru you know, even though let's be frank, Troy's the guru. Um, <laughs> like I'm the pretty, I'm the not as pretty, pretty face. Um, but like I, I just from a, positioning is important. And so like, I didn't want to just like be the, the you're not standing guy. at the booth being the sales guy, right? No. You're like, you're right. kind of above it and letting the team do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Strategically from a positioning yeah. perspective. Yeah. And now I'll talk to people, I'll sell people, I'll enroll people, but it's like, I don't not do that, but like, I've always tried to like from the beginning of, of our business kind of kept the distance from being always on, always available. And which helps because I have six kids and a seventh on, on the way. So it's, it's brought margin. Um, that's, that's a big thing in our company is um, like family and margin. And like, you know, I don't make Troy work 70 hour weeks because, you know, or our team even um, that's, that's really important for us, but just, yeah keeping clients a little bit at a distance, but willing to serve them as hard as possible within the boundaries that we set. All around, that's that's been a culture set yeah. for our company because if you, know, if you don't model self-care and prioritizing family and uh, having boundaries with clients, um, then your staff's not going to either. And we have this culture throughout our, our, our team that we continue to reinforce and, and uh, that is self-perpetuating at this point where there are boundaries with clients and there are boundaries with family and life. And, um, it kind of gives us the ability to be sustainable in the way that we approach our work. And I feel like we run a lot faster as yeah. a team because of it. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. And I know, I know you, like you said, seven kids plus, can you talk a little bit about how you manage that with, with, if you look them up on Facebook, you'll see more about. Yeah. Well, 
So we adopted four. So uh, those who are really worried about my wife, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, uh, from the beginning, we've kind of, I have like really tried to have a sustainable existence. Um, there would be weeks where I would work 70, 80 hours um, in kind of earlier days of the business, but not as much now. Um, we're, you know, you could probably speak to the, this even more because um, uh, it, it is not just for me. Like I, I, we've really tried to, as Troy mentioned earlier, try to set this as a value for our entire like staff. Um, we do, we do uh, something we've implemented this year. We do a um, eight week, every eight weeks sabbatical rhythm um, where uh, we work seven weeks on sprints and development projects to, to better our, our, what we're doing for clients and for ourselves. And then everybody, part-timers, full-timers gets a paid week off. Um, and so nobody's ever um, more than seven weeks away from a vacation. Um, and we have our team split into two teams so that like during that time, we still have client facing people who are available. Um, so we're never like shut down as a company, but uh, we do have like a two week period every two months. That's like, we're not firing at all cylinders as we could be, but we've made that decision to not grow as fast as we possibly could have for the sake of our, our joy and our health. And ironically, I think we've grown faster because of it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it's, counter, it's counterintuitive, right? But yeah. that's just the way it works. Your body needs like a, a little bit of breath of fresh air, right? To, to... And our team freaking loves it. Like we've got millennials working for us who like, you know, I'm not sure they'd ever leave because they, <laughs> because like what company does you can't that? can't get that anywhere else, right? Yeah. Seven weeks of hard yeah. work and then a week of vacation. It's a beautiful, right. beautiful thing to look forward to. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and it's true. I mean, in, in the early days, it was consistent 60 plus 70, 80 hour weeks trying to get things off the ground. And it would have been tough to pull this off initially. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have we do have uh, friends with smaller companies that are that are experimenting with things similar to this and really has been life giving. And I mean, we just finished up one and I came back in with so much fire in my belly this week and we're just getting after it. And it feels like the that's been the consistent, nobody's on, on in burnout mode this yeah. year. Everybody's just got like juice to run on and it really has been a great difference maker this year. Yeah. I love that. that, that's really cool. So one of the things probably people are, are would love to get your advice on, um, as, when you were smaller, before you had the big team and before you had all the employees, how, at what point did you decide it was time to bring someone like Troy into the mix to help with the operations? Was it right out of the gates or was it right out of the gates? Okay. So you did that right at the beginning. So I paid him a, a not a great hourly rate. Um, he was, he was kind of young and hungry. He had been in ministry also and was just wanting a transition that would be work within his lifestyle, work at home, you know, maybe had some upside to it down the line, but um, he really just thought of it as I think a temporary role for a year or two. Um, but it turned into some side yeah. hustle that can pay off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> side hustle that paid off. Love yeah. when that works out, right? Yeah. Um, and now, like we've, you know, struck paperwork to to be full partners um, in in a variety of different businesses now. But um, but uh, from the beginning, it was like I knew that I needed somebody to be a buffer between me and the clients. Um, yeah. And even if it wasn't like a super high, great rate for him at the time because it really it wasn't i mean I, no um until we blew up and then it was yeah breaking your pocket <laughs> yeah yeah the amount of hours i had put in to keep up with them. yeah but you know i was happy to do it so 
Awesome. So that so that that's some cool insights on that. And we so we talked about trade shows. The fact that you get out to these trade shows, you put the face to face. Can can you talk a little bit about the Facebook ads and how in the world you would target a specific vertical like CPAs and accountants and how you kind of make that work in your business? So um, we have actually stopped running our Facebook ads now okay. um, because we have enough lead flow with other sources um, mm. that, uh, again, I need to scale my sales team now in, in ways that um, I didn't know that I needed to, like, until like three months ago. Um, anyway, and um, so, um, but in the, when we did do that, we would have like a value, um, leading with value and then retargeting to, to uh those who engage with it to a more grabby by the throat CTA. Um, okay. so especially Facebook, it's an interrupter medium. You've got to, you've got to lead with value. Um, and then you can come behind with the CTA. Um, I, I see a lot of people go right for the, right for the jugular with like a free consultation or a, a work with me type thing. And I just don't think that that's the best model. It, it can work with a certain, slice and if it's profitable yeehaw go for it you know but um i like the lead with value then come behind with the retargeted yeah approach. And, that, and that lead magnet that we used to leverage a lot more um mm -hmm. while, it was high, while it was high for a uh, tripwire i guess I should yeah. say. while that while that uh tripwire was maybe overpriced for a typical tripwire we put way i mean just way more value into it than what we were charging i mean like mm -hmm. 20 times more value into it than what we were charging for it mm -hmm. which is part You're of talking about the um the info kit, the $200 info kit filled with letters and resources. Yeah, which was yeah. similar to stuff that people were charging two grand for, you know, I mean, it was. We had people pay us for like four figures for them. Yes. For each of them. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was the play. Uh, at this point, you kind of got the database. You've got the kind of the relationships and the leads coming in. It's not as much of a, a push button right now. Can you talk a little bit about the, the services that you provide your clients? They're all on retainer. Um, sounds like there's 300 plus of them. What does the typical service mix look like for these guys? So we still have a significant percentage, probably 75% of our clients are on our old like uh, plans. And we're not like grandfather, we're not like pushing them like automatically into these new packages, raising their prices unilaterally. We're letting them stay with it. It was still profitable. We're still happy to serve them in that way. They're happy. We're happy. You mm -hmm. know? Um, just new clients moving forward. We're bundling in the pay-per-click um, and we're bundling our services in a different way. And so currently we have like a starter, a mid-level and a premium and that's our premier. That's what we call it. Um, the starter services are basically pay-per-click ads and local listings like optimization up the yin-yang um, mm -hmm. and like working those two together. And um, so we, our profit margins are mostly on the account fees, which is just the, um, like the local listings management stuff. Um, and, you know, the, from the ad spend standpoint, like we outsource that, we have very little, very tight margins on that. Um, and so we don't get like big profit boosts if they spend more at that level. Mm -hmm. We make our, our bread and butter on the, the, uh, account fee which is the monthly, our the monthly fee right and then it's like whatever else we can do to maximize the lead gen and the the results from that the better they're they're going to like us and the more likely they're going to stay right yep. and that's a 297 a month um account fee and that's our starter um mm -hmm. 
and then um, plus our plus, plus whatever they spend on ads. So right. it's, it ends up being minimum of 600 a month. Um, that's our starting level. Got it. Um, and then our most popular services are mid-level and that's 997 a month with a minimum ad spend of 500 um, per month. Um, even that's a little bit low, but um, for our folks, it, it's worked well and we do everything for them um, uh, with like without some bells and whistles that are in the premier package. Um, but the, that level, we hand build a website, we do SEO, we do, um, local listings. We do conversational email marketing. That's got nurture campaigns that we actually write on a weekly basis. We are, we're writing weekly emails that they send out to their list. Um, we build all the lead magnets and the lead follow-up sequences. It's like our, our bread and butter kind of social media. Social media. We're posting every day, um, handling all replies. Um, we're, so we're print, it's print client newsletter. Yeah. It's, it's totally hands-free for our clients. All they need to do is log into our website, approve the email content, which we then turn into blog content. And um, it's off, off, off to the races. Um, we actually built that system to manage. Somebody asked about how we manage all these clients. We built this software system that back in the day wasn't even API connected because we didn't have the wherewithal and API stuff wasn't even really very advanced at that point. We've been using, I've been using Infusionsoft since 2006, mm -hmm. back when it was Infusion Software. And it had like the red and black logo and um, it was very different. Um, but we would, we create, we hired a guy, a programmer to create like a dashboard for our website where we post content and it would go into all of our clients accounts, that, but it would be like merged with their information within the content. They'd go in, make any changes. And then back in the day, we would literally cut and paste. We'd grab it from our website, go into Infusionsoft, pull up their list, paste it, make sure it looked right, send. Hmm. <laughs> now we've connected that, but um, what we were doing, but, but having that dashboard, having that software was a huge scalability breakthrough for us because we could write similar content for a couple hundred clients, make a few like localized keyword shifts for blog content and it, it it's worked. Got to push you out to all of the places you needed it to push out. Yeah. Yeah. I think Very just cool. fundamentally we've, we've sort of just had productized and a productized approach to services uh, from the very beginning, which a lot, yeah. of, a lot of agencies are trying to move into more of a model like that. So they're not trading hours for dollars as much for us. We're actually kind of, and this goes back to the, having the, the sales consultation thing a little bit. We've, we've been working this year actually to humanize our process a little bit more. Um, you know, and, and kind of have it be less automated and, and uh, cookie cutter, um, actually have it be a little more customized, raise our prices accordingly. So we're trying to find that middle ground. Like I think a lot of agency owners are just maybe from a, a different perspective, just because of how things worked out for us. Well, mostly just, to, uh, I mean, not mostly, but in order to deliver better services, all to bundle in the pay-per-click and essentially raise our pricing. Um, Which that's a, that's a big part of why, I mean, that's the other part of why we're, we're bundling in the PPC now is just that we see that our clients are going to see even better results by adding that. It's just kind of the missing piece to giving them, delivering them the success that we're trying to deliver them yeah. is to bundle that in. So we're just kind of quick, trying to quick wins, tangible, measurable return on investment. Yeah. Solves a lot of problems, right? But Troy could talk. I mean, I saw somebody asking about managing 300 clients. I mean, that's a mm -hmm. real thing. Um, yeah. Troy could talk for a whole seminar on that because we, we have built out so many systems. We've built out an internal communication protocol using Basecamp and other 
um, other softwares for how we communicate with one another, um, even the, the ways that we escalate things towards each other. Um, we've got values. We're driven by values and how we communicate, like, you know, forgiveness before permission, find a way before escalating it to your superior. Uh, and we, whenever we intake staff, we go through the vision and values and we teach them how to communicate with us, with each other, with clients. Um, but we, we've got a tech stack that, like, um, enables us to, to do that. We, we could scale, we could triple in client size um, with maybe adding one or two staff people. And, and I think we'd be fine. Yeah, that's because I think you mentioned it was 12, 12 employees serving 300 plus clients, right? Is that the right yeah. number? Yeah. And are, is there a lot of um, like virtual staff as well? Or is it those, those are just the, that's the full breadth of the, of the team. Stay at home moms, man. Yeah, that's a mix. They freaking rock. Yeah. Um, like we, we have a, like three stay at home part-time moms that, um, uh, four, um, four stay at home part-time moms that, um, actually one of them's mostly really full-time, but six, depending on how you count things. Yeah. Sure. Some but are, some are local, some are remote. Yeah. So we have a mix of local and remote, but we, we get together, um, like in person every year, uh, for like a dinner. Um, but we, we do Google meet meetings and like there's a real sense of joy and family together with the team. Uh, we, we make sure that we reserve a weekly time to laugh with each other, joke about, you know, different things. And like uh, we use gifts a lot in our internal chats <laughs> and just have a lot of fun with each other. And it creates an atmosphere where people are really willing to go to bat for each other. And that's that's a big deal because especially in the earlier days, uh, honestly, it was, it was hard to hire and and we kind of stumbled into that. It was kind of hard to hire and hard to keep uh, guys that were maybe a little more career oriented. This is not this is just sort of how things are, right? We 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 put the job offerings out there. The people that would show up typically would be stay at home moms. Um, mm -hmm. They were kind of in a place in their in their parenting where they had a little more availability. These are women with like great career backgrounds, great education, great skills, like they have a lot to offer, but they're just in a dynamic that's kind of tricky um, in terms of like being at home and by enabling them to have a, a job where they can kind of work remotely, work flexibly, um, you know, and, and work online. And they, they're delivering a lot to us and they're getting something in return where they're getting getting to, to use their skills, the sense of dignity while they're changing yeah. diapers, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, and the flexibility though, to be there with the kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Now we've got the full-time employees that, that have that flexibility, but back when we didn't have as much of a budget when we were getting started, um, we really stumbled into that being a great, great pool. Yeah. So we had like a social media coordinator. We had an email coordinator. We had um, like a, a website build coordinator. Um, and all those were part-time roles uh, in the beginning. Um, now it's a little different how we split things up, but how do you how do you recruit for that? Were you guys specifically going to like I know there's job boards for that? Were you going to those types of boards, or were you just locally attracting just somehow like, that kind of person? Just locally, okay. church church and church communities and church community. Craigslist. And that was we did do Craigslist. Hit or miss, but a lot of hits. We we did have an awesome hit in Craigslist, who actually turned out to be somebody that went to our church that we didn't know. Um, <laughs> That's great. Just, like to, we didn't figure out until after we'd hired her. Like it was completely weird but, but it's um, a small world right yeah it has gotten better to to hire from like friends of employees yeah friends of employees and that that's enabled us to kind of keep a certain culture going um you know with, with people with a great work ethic and some some trust there and honesty and no yeah. doubt very cool i think bg bg's asking uh for your paid management do you outsource or do you have a freelancer for that 
we outsource to another white label agency. Cool. Yeah, I think you had mentioned that earlier. Um, excellent. So then, okay. So you guys have made this transition to, you know, to a nice size seven figure business. What would you say are three big lessons that you've learned that other agencies can, can learn from or kind of shortcut their process from? You want to take one? <laughs> I've set a few. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Um, you know, I, we've spoken to this a little bit, but something that we've really uh, this discovered that we've been talking about in the last year or so is just that, um, you know, sometimes it can feel sort of fluffy for, for companies to talk about culture and stuff and how much does that really uh, pan out. We've touched on that a few times in different ways in this already, but that's something in the last year that has been a discovery that we've really talked about that um, we just have kind of said that culture can be profitable, you know, which was something maybe we didn't expect. We just sort of, from the beginning, tried to craft an internal culture that we wanted to be a part of. Like if we're going to build our own company, like let's work with people we want to work with and yeah. that we want to work with them um, and try to try to avoid some of those toxic corporate things that we don't really want to have be a part of what we, we uh, deal with from day to day. Um, and that, so we that's, worked. That's amazing. And, and the way that you've done it with, uh, with some predominantly virtual staff and create those water cooler moments in your virtual meetings is really powerful insight. You wouldn't think it's possible to create that kind of culture in a, in a non in office environment. And evidently yeah. it is. It's worked really well. It takes a lot of intention at first, but then it starts becoming self-perpetuating yeah. over time. That's awesome. My hero was Dan Kennedy, who used to say, I hate employees, you know, it, and I, I drank that Kool-Aid for years. And like I hired Troy from the get go, like thinking he'd be my only hire. And like we would <laughs> like scale out with Philippines virtual assistants and, right. you know, keep it as cheap as possible and pro high profits. And Troy's exactly right. Like when we made the shift to investing in our our culture and in our team more and like doing things to like letting our weird millennials do pour overs in the office, you know, like things like that that are just, yeah, yeah like um, it, it's just made a world of difference. And so that's been huge. Um, I'd say another thing is just being intentional from the beginning about boundaries and about like with clients, with yourself um, and intentionally limiting your growth for the sake of, lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's one of the only, it's one of the things that um, Tim Ferriss would talk a lot about, like live like a millionaire before you're a millionaire, because a lot of people are, ch you know, chasing after that brass ring of becoming a, a millionaire. And really what they would want when they get those millions is the thing that a lot of us already have access to have flexibility, more time with family. It's just a choice that a lot of people aren't making. And so make that choice from the beginning. Uh, obviously, there's going to be times and exceptions, but it that could become like its own excuse after a while. And there's lots of workaholics in the marketing world who need to just freaking chill out. Chill, and, chill out. Like, no, for serious, because we have a sustainable life and a sustainable business that we could do for 30 more years and be content. Um, and obviously, there's going to be a lot of change and we want to blow the top off this thing and build a nine figure business eventually. But um but where we are, we're happy, but we, we're still hungry. So that, that would be another big thing. Um, and then so I want to see some thumbs up on Facebook here and some comments on this. This is, this is powerful stuff, right? Setting those boundaries and being intentional about it. Um, you know, straight from a seven figure business owner, that's, yeah. a, that's a great insight. Well, we did that when we were 200 K, you know, we did that when we were, when we were small and I never regretted a moment of it. And my wife never regretted a moment of it. And she, sends me off with the blessing to the office and, and is happy about my, because I've communicated the value of like 
her and and so our marriage hasn't suffered because of it and it's it's been huge we worked really hard but but whenever it came down to like work versus life or family needs life and family always came first yeah family first we do that for our employees too so i mean it's not just us yeah you know it's one thing to just to do it for yourself and be like well i'm gonna i'm gonna put the minions to work right and they're gonna break away all day but you guys actually create that flexibility for them as well yeah and we have employees that have been with us for six seven years because of it um so and that's where the profitability comes in sometimes with culture is just that now we have people asking to work for us because they've heard about the culture from their friends and they want to be part of it. So we're able to kind of pick and choose great talent, uh, able to keep people who are happy, who work hard, who can take some lumps because it's worth it. Um, like from, from clients or just like fires yeah. that happen, you know, just the, the day in, day out of business. Um, I, I would say another thing that's, that's been great uh, that you've done since the very beginning is just uh, finding those, those shortcuts of proven approaches, proven uh, tactics and wisdom um, in business that it really, I mean, it's, it's like why we've uh, gotten connected to, to you, Josh, just, just like, and why we're working with Perry Marshall and, you know, just yeah. finding, and instead of trying to test up everything and, and, and try think to that I'm so smart that I already can figure it out or know it all reinvent the wheel, start at least with something that somebody has already, you know, they've already tried a thousand things and found a couple things that work, try those things first and, and test with those. And, um, you know, you can, if you can find something, you can sort of take a template and swipe and deploy um, and improve on it from there. You just save so much time and headache. And I think we've been a lot more successful. In oh a lot my of things. gosh. Yeah. That's been one of the hugest things. Yeah. Yeah. Finding you is awesome. And yep. there's been multiple others that we found over the years. Um, but yeah. No doubt. I think that's, that's a critical insight. And, and if you listen to all of the interviews we do on this podcast, you go to the people doing seven figures and beyond, all of them are avid learners mm-hmm. and they're looking for shortcuts. They're not thinking I'm going to do it myself. They're joining the, the world-class organizations. They're joining War Room. They're joining certified partners. They're, they've, they've tried to get around people that are a couple steps ahead of them that can show them how to shortcut, how to be better, how to get there quicker. And so, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I dropped, I dropped like 20 grand with Dan Kennedy's organization, you know, a decade ago when we, when we were doing like a 200K, 300K. Um, and Before it, was, it made financial sense to do so, right? I mean, right. And I was so glad that I did. Um, relationships I still have because I, I made that investment. But I made those kind of investments, as Troy points out, for years. Um, and so it's, it, that has been a huge kickstart for us from the very beginning. No doubt. So we're coming, we're coming to the close of the, of the hour. I mean, this has been awesome. If you guys are getting great value, please post in comments. Uh, I've got a couple more questions for them before we wrap up, but I want to give you guys the opportunity to ask some questions too. So if you have any burning questions for these guys, post it in comments. We'll try and jump in here and answer them. I see a few in the Zoom chat too, Josh. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'll pull this one up. Patricia says, love how you value culture. It's truly the most important part of a successful company. Two companies, those culture is magnificent or Airbnb and, and uh, GoDaddy. I always know when deals by these companies or my experience are going are nothing short of amazing. Okay, Patricia, absolutely. Yeah, great examples of company values um, and culture. So BG, let me let me point it out, Josh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm having a hard time reading. One um, could you speak to the idea of developing multiple niches from a parent agency setup. Yes. So we're beginning that process. We have another company, a state pro marketer, that we um, have started, and uh, that the genesis of that was we um, we got approached by somebody 
who was a coach in another industry, seeing what we were doing from the email side and thought it, thought it was really innovative. This was 2009, okay? So um, we built out all this content. Long story short, that JV went kaplooey. I mean, the, the, the coach kind of went crazy. Um, and I'm not going to go into details, but it was uh, loco land. Um, but we had like enrolled 25 clients of, of these, of this particular uh, estate planning. Um, and they stuck with us for like four years. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them. And we've like stopped trying, um, but they liked what we were doing. I mean, we were still serving and putting out content, but we weren't really active. So, but then eventually they quit like a couple years ago. And we were like, I guess we have all that content. We have all these former clients. We could start this thing. And so that was like a, a really easy no brainer for us to test this scaling out process. We're still in the midst of it. I don't have a lot of insights from it, but I do know that um, what we are doing is scalable to other industries and we're going to keep it within kind of the professional services world. So it's not so disparate from what we're already doing. Um, and I think that that might be a key that it's not like we're not going to like leap to chiropractors or HVAC companies or anything like that. You know, even though what the principles of what we do would work and we could probably serve them well, we want to keep our brand, our overall brand kind of unified um, pro Pro marketers. So and that's the key of going back to how we're able to serve so many clients with such a smaller crew. Um, it, that's how we're able to be scalable. Is that we are we're we're not learning a new industry every time we take on a client. Where you know it's the niche thing that you preach, Josh. But Josh, because we've got this niche, we know the industry. We don't have to create new content for every single new person that comes in. And that's part of why we chose this. But another thing, going back to the relationships and the JV stuff, I, I definitely would say that so far we've already found that. You know, not having as many relationships in that industry it is it's hard. It more difficult yeah. than it was for us to get started in the tax industry because you already have relationships there. Yeah. So we're testing another sister company that we launched that does more coaching as kind of a front end um, mm -hmm. for other industries. Um, that we're, we have some other partners that are kind of leading the, the charge on that. We're kind of coming behind as implementation people. Um, so we'll see how that goes and we can report another time. But um, yeah. Awesome. So good stuff here. Great. I see a couple other people. Uh, Robert's asking if you guys help tax preparers yeah. that are not CPAs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That was our initial. Main that was market. our initial main market. We've shifted to the year-round business. The tax preparation niche uh, has really changed a ton in the last fifteen years with the the way that software, but also even tax code itself, with the increased standard deduction. Uh, the, the real money for accounting and tax preparation is with higher net worth individuals, business owners, um, people who, who it makes sense to not take the standard deduction. And so that, that's a different kind of firm. Um, and so we're making that pivot. Uh, we have been making that pivot for the last five years, even before the tax code changed, mostly because they're higher level clients and we want to serve firms that a little bit more a little less seasonal. Like there would be guys that would work three months and then go sit margaritas for the year, you know? <laughs> right. Um, just take it easy the rest of the time. Yeah. And we, that's fine, but we want people who would pay us on a monthly basis. So yeah. Good stuff. A lot of love pouring in. Uh, John says, awesome. You know, Nate and Troy, thanks so much. Patricia, this is incredible. Thank you guys so much for sharing. It was incredible. This is incredible. You guys are rock stars. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Holy rock stars. So in, I guess in wrapping up here, again, thank you so much for sharing. This, is, this has been great. Any, any final nuggets of wisdom you would share for that agency owner that's just trying to get to the next level? 
could you repeat that? I'm sorry, I was distracted by our, our guy Anthony popped in here and said said hey. So hey, Anthony. Um, final nuggets um, is what he's asking um, for the struggling agency owner. Um, I would say like act now the way that you think that you should act when you're successful. It's really good. Set up the. We've already talked about the boundaries, the culture, the the hiring the how you relate with clients even like building the systems as the michael gerber email stuff we um we we've always wanted to build this business so that it would be sustainable at double the size um e even when it wasn't double the size you know when we had 100 clients we wanted to be able to handle 300 clients and so we would try to build systems from the very beginning duplicable processes knowledge bases for our internal use um, and honestly, Troy is the one who really drove the ship on that. I like believed in it conceptually, but didn't have the patience for it. And yeah, you're not the high follow through guy that's actually going to put that into place, right? You can right. get he the is. He is. Um, I mean, we both work hard, but it's just in a different manner. Um, so like having somebody, if you're not that person, then have somebody who is that person, even if like it's 10, 10 hours a week, um, like just set, set up those systems from the very beginning. That's kind of where my mind went to just in terms of like finding that complimentary person who maybe would be open to doing this as a side hustle or is in a transitional stage or whatever, where you can find somebody who is talented, but willing to not maybe have to be paid a huge salary to help you out in the areas where by offloading those things that are delegable, you can focus on what you did in the beginning and, and, and have it this day, but you were able to focus your energies on sales and marketing and working on the business not just mm. in the business because you you did that so early on and, yeah. and didn't try to do it all yourself from the very beginning I, I wasn't really hardly doing any client work from the very beginning except writing the content um mm. and that would take me a couple hours a week um and um in terms of execution i always had people doing it for me that's smart and it freed you up in two areas it freed you up to be able to focus on growing the business and doing what you do best and it also like you said for you the reason you started the business was to create wealth and freedom to do things with your family and, and right. put family first. So it frees you up to do, to do that. Yeah. Um, from a tactical perspective on that, the best way I found to, to find that person that, that can kind of do that part of it for you is the Colby assessment. You know, usually an entrepreneur, the person running the company is, is high, quick start, low follow through. And, you know, when you try to hire that side hustle person or whoever your operations manager is going to be, or who the Troy is going to be in your business, I, I would bet, 10 to one, Troy's a high follow through, low quick start, or kind of medium quick start. And that at least will help you make sure you're finding the right kind of personality profile to step mm -hmm. in and be that person for you and your, in your agency. Yeah. I was fortunate. I mean, God blessed me. You got, you, you got blessed, right? Without, I'm without being... friend in the world now. And, and, awesome. I, and he's been my employee. Uh, it was just, it was this weird friendship that like eventually became a friendship of equals. But like in the beginning, it was like I was training him and now he like kicks my butt left and right. And it's, it's the greatest. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, th this has been, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. Thanks for sharing the value bombs throughout. I believe this is a tweetable comment right here. Act now the way you think you should act when you're successful, right? That's a tweetable comment and we'll attribute that back to you, Nate. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up today? No. no Thank great. you, Josh, yeah, for all of your yeah. um, your energy, your enthusiasm, your follow through, mm -hmm. and uh, I like you are you're remarkable. And you're I love the Facebook group. I love the community of people that you've gathered. Um, I'm eager to dive in more deeply with your crew. Um, 
there's a lot of agency success people cropping up. Um, but uh, I, I feel like you are um, really helping and you've got an attitude to serve. And I am absolutely um, just blown away by you, Josh. So and your execution is inspiring yeah. to us too, constantly. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Appreciate your time. Thanks for all the great insights, guys. Be sure if you're listening to this live or even if you're listening to it recorded, uh, you know, days from now, weeks from now, tag Nate, tag Troy, thank them for sharing. Thank them for sharing their insights. And uh, we'll catch you guys on a future episode of the Seven Figure Agency podcast. All right. Rock on. Later. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I hope you get value from this session. If you'd like more ideas, strategies, and techniques on how to more effectively grow and scale your digital marketing agency, I'd like to invite you to go to sevenfigureagency.com. There you'll find a training series, completely free of charge, that walks you through how we were able to grow our agency from zero to over $300,000 per month uh, in less than seven years, and how we're adding clients on a consistent basis. So we walk you through you know, the quickest way to position yourself as the expert in a particular market and proven models to get customers coming to you pre-positioned to buy. So if you got value from this and you would like more, you can go to sevenfigureagency.com. There's a free video series for you there. Just get there. You'll enter your name, your email address, and you'll get access in the next couple of minutes. So thanks for joining us. Go to sevenfigureagency.com now, and we'll talk to you soon.